thank you, Linda, uh, for that update. And, you know, one thing, I mean, we all love John, and he's one of those people that's hard not, he's hard not to love, right? I mean, just uh, who he is. And so he's actually watching on live stream right now. So if you want to turn around and just wave and say, we love you, John. You're better. We miss you. We love you. Um, and we're going to uh, just keep him, keep him and them in prayer. And so uh, we'll let you know if there's any other updates to be had as the week goes on. So, uh, so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, my name is Jason Carlottini, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here today, and uh, or here at Riverside. And um, we're continuing in our series that John started us off with last week. Really fantastic. If you didn't, if you weren't here, if you were out for beginning of summer, all that kind of stuff, go back on live stream and make sure you uh, listen to it because we started a new series, and it's the spiritual affect, E, if you've seen it, there it is, that weird A, E, right? Um, and the whole idea is that so many of the foundational things about our faith have an affect or an impact that then creates an effect or a result, right? And one of the ways that you can remember that is A comes before E, right? So an A effect happens, an e, a effect, you know, something is hit, something's touched, and an effect happens, right, as a result of that. Uh, so you can think about it like that from that perspective. So this summer, we're going to be walking through some of the kind of the foundational pieces of our faith. Um, I think back to when I used to, in my 20s, really loved going to church conferences. I was a young pastor, and I wanted to go learn, and I thought I was so smart. And I've learned so much since then that I'm really not. Um, but I used to love to go to these. And I remember going to the conference that changed my opinion about going to these conferences forever. I was like 29, 30-ish, right around uh, that stage. And I went up to Seattle to this huge conference. All these big, like all the big name people were going to be there. And they were all talking about stuff. And there were, one of the things I loved about this conference is it wasn't all the same people like from one tradition. It was a kind of a variety, right, of people. And so we'd sit there and we'd listen and we'd, these great messages and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, after a little while, you're just exhausted. Like if you've ever been to a conference and you're just sitting there absorbing all day. Um, and I remember after every single presentation, every single speaker, the people around me, it was all people around my age, would turn around and just kind of criticize. Oh, well, he said da-da-da-da-da. And it was just kind of this thing that was going on. And that's when like blogging the first time kind of was popular for a little bit, you know, and it's kind of come back around. And so in the church world, all this blogging had become popular as really a way to criticize what other people were saying. Um, and so one of the speakers who actually hilariously was one of the kind of hardest and most opinionated of all the people that were there at the end of one session, I was really struggling with this, looks out into the crowd and says, and here's the deal. I've even seen some of your blogs since last night criticizing some of the things that have been said up here on this stage. And I said, I don't agree with everybody that's up here, right, about every single thing. But when you've had the impact that they've had for the kingdom of God, even in a fraction of a way, well, then let's have a conversation about your disagreement. Right. And I was like, oh, you know, and I'm sitting there struggling. I was like, oh, you know, and I'm kind of like watching, you know, everybody seeing, you know, that whole deal. Um, and I just remember, and that's really stuck with me. And I, since that time, I really don't like going to conferences too much. I mean, like if it's really focused, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that could be helpful. I can take away some stuff. 
But I don't like going for the same reason that I used to like to go to kind of learn and feel puffed up, if that makes sense. And if we're not careful, that's kind of what our theology and those foundational things about our faith can do. They can become things for us to feel puffed up, for us to feel like we got it, we have it right, right? And if that becomes the focus, then I think we're missing out on God's heart about those things. I think God is more focused on not information and knowledge, but transformation. He's, a, he's really focused on the effect that comes from the effect, right? Does that make sense? He cares a whole lot less about how much you or I know. He cares a whole lot more about what we actually do with what we know, right? And that's kind of that Jewish perspective that Jesus walked in as a rabbi. So we're going to take that structure, that kind of perspective, and look at this morning building off of what John shared about the Trinity being this selfless relationship that has existed all throughout time and will exist for all time, right? And look at the idea of prayer from that perspective, of selfless relationship that the effect is really the part that is so profound, okay? So as we get started, if you would stand with me, we are gonna say the Shema together. I know you just got comfortable, so it seems like a perfect time for you to stand up again, right? I, we do that at church, I don't, know, I don't know why, but the Shema is actually a prayer that Jesus would have prayed multiple times a day, um, and it's kind of, it's a declaration type of prayer, and as we pray it, looking at prayer this morning, what better way for us to kind of start off and prepare our hearts and say, God, this is what we believe about you, and this is where we want to start our focus with you this morning as we hear from your words, okay? So you'll see some people lift up their finger, and that's just because we are forgetful people, and we need reminders to remember that God has been, always will be powerful and active in our world, and he has enough power even in his littlest finger to change the whole world and even our lives. So as we say this, say it loud with me. Shema Israel, Adonai Elanehu, Adonai Akkad, hear O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. I love hearing those kids screaming that out. Friends, you may have a seat. And as you do, to kind of turn gears. Watch this little video that we have for you this morning. And then going to church can be a little intimidating sometimes. Like you're trying to look for the right church. You'll never find the perfect church. So you just stop looking for the perfect church because you ain't perfect. I went to one church and uh, the pastor was like, I want you to pray with your neighbor. I'm like, my neighbor don't go to this church. You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. <laughs> so they explained to me, your neighbor is the person next to you. I'm supposed to pray with some lady I don't even know? What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help them hairs and stop growing on this lady's chin, Lord. I don't... What am I supposed to pray about? I don't even know her. But she went first. Man, she must have been John the Baptist's auntie or something, man. 
And she prayed all good. She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse, Lord, of the book of Matthew, Lord, the 601st word on page 1297, Lord. Lord, you said, seek, search, Lord. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, the King of Kings. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. Now she's looking at me like it's my turn to pray. I'm not going to let her outpray me. So I'm like, all right, dear God, God, I just, you, I just, I just can't fight this feeling anymore. Lord, you know, because I know, Lord, that nationwide, you're on my side, God. And because choosy moms choose Jesus, Lord, you know. That's the rocket's red glare, Lord, again, proof to the night. I believe I could fly, amen. I love that. And uh, his name is Michael James Jr. He's hilarious. So you can go and search him and find his stuff. Uh, lots of great stuff. And Amanda Herring and I were talking about earlier, he's, he's hilarious and powerful. So you really would love to follow some of that. But the thing I love about that clip is we can probably all relate on some level to that, right? That at some point in our journey, this idea, this concept of prayer, of talking to God has been maybe awkward to say the least right? What do I say? I don't know what to say. It seems like there's other people that really have this down, and I don't, how do I get to that place, right? And so I'm just gonna, but then at the same time, you know, that part of me that I'm like, well, I'm just gonna do it, and I'm gonna say all kinds of funny, crazy things, sometimes on purpose, sometimes unintentional, you know, all of that. Uh, But at the heart of it, I'll just love it because it really sets the table for us today. Because if we're all honest at a heart level, while prayer is powerful and impactful, it's also something that we're all kind of figuring out along our journey, right? And it's looked different for all of us as we've gone and grown and matured, and it looks different on the first day that we meet Jesus, and it looks different years later, right? All of those kind of things. Uh, We probably all have beaten ourselves up before about not praying enough or doing enough or learning, whatever, right? Um, But the point is that we're all on it together, on this journey together of relationship and communication, Um, And so today we're going to approach this from a perspective of looking at the bigger perspective of prayer. We don't have time. We've got, you know, a limited amount of time to talk about the foundation of prayer. So we're not going to do like a whole semester, you know, long, year-long series of all the things of prayer. But I will tell you on June 23rd, at right after the first service, there is one of our prayer trainings that are going on right here. We can learn a lot more of those details. So if something is sparked in you today, I'd really encourage you to go and learn more about how you can step into this journey of prayer. So we're just going to approach it from some of the foundational perspective, okay? So to do that, what better place to go than to go to Jesus and see what he says and what he teaches about prayer? So Matthew chapter 5, Matt, sorry, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, on the famous Sermon on, on the Mount, Jesus talks about prayer. And he says, 
And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. And so Jesus starts off teaching about prayer, and he gives these kind of alternative views, these alternative perspectives on prayer, right? So he talks about praying to be seen, and we've probably all experienced this, or this caveat, believe that we've experienced it, right? It is always a little difficult for us to assume that someone is praying or doing something, worshiping in a certain way because they're wanting to be seen. It's easy for us to judge that and say that. Uh, but we probably all at least had that experience of wondering or, or, or considering that, right? And so there's, there's this interesting perspective. So is, is prayer about me being seen and praying? Because if it is, then you've received your reward already because what you wanted was to be seen, right? To be noticed. And so you already got that. That's what it was for you. Or is it to be in secret? Is prayer some formulated ritual or is it a conversation, right? Is it a, you know, Aladdin's out right now and it's pretty good. Uh, is it a genie, you know? Is prayer just a new genie to talk to and you have to say it the right way and hold the lamp at the right, right? Is that what it is? Or is it a conversation? Is it something different? And what's the focus of our prayer? Is it our own attention? Is it ourself? Is it me? Is it wrong to pray in public because of it that says that, right? There's all these questions that could easily come out of here. And I will say that I don't believe Jesus is saying it's wrong to pray in public in any way. I think it's the nature for which you pray in public, right? That, that matters. Are you praying for it for hope, for dependency, right? Or are you praying to be seen? Uh, one of my friends, Teresa Moore, I think about her when I think of this because I, I, she, there's things that we're all different as people, right? And if we pay attention, the ways that we're different can really inspire us to grow. And so Teresa, if you know her, is fearless, right? And so she'll go to the grocery store and she'll start a conversation and she'll just oh, you need prayer for that? Let's pray, right? It's not for Teresa. It's because she believes in hope and she believes in freedom. And so she's not afraid, right? And that inspires me to pay more attention and be willing to step out and, and do that, right? And so that's okay. That's not what Jesus is saying. But if you notice, the key in this is what does God say that he sees? What is what? What is his perspective? It says he sees what is done in secret and he'll reward that. It says he knows what you need before you ask. So if he already knows what you need, if he sees everything, it would be really easy to say, so what's the point? And I think that's actually exactly the point. 
At the heart of it all, prayer is about intimacy and dependence. It's what what John talked about last week with the Trinity. It's about a selfless relationship. It's no different than any other relationship that you have. Mindy and I have been married for 15 and a half years, and I'll tell you right now, because I've learned this the hard way plenty of times, that if I pretend to just go through life and do stuff and take care of stuff, and I don't selflessly invest in knowing her and communicating with her and hearing her and learning from her, then our relationship is, to be honest, a little silly, right? That's like a what's the point? Right, But if I do, if I listen and I invest and I pursue her, then our relationship is something really beautiful and a blessing. It happens all across. I mean, it happens at work. It happens with friends. I get the privilege of uh, working with a, with a bunch of our men and our men's ministry. And the, right now, Brock uh, Anderson and... Did I, and I say Brock, Keith Anderson, right? Is, uh, that maybe should actually be, be just put together. Anyway, uh, Brock and Keith that I get to work with there, uh, and they're fantastic, right? But if I approach my relationship with them as, hey, we got to get men's stuff going, right? This is what this is about. You know what really happens in our relationship over time? Nothing. It just deteriorates. It becomes pointless and worthless, but I don't want to just do men's stuff. I want to do men's stuff with them, right? And it's a blessing to serve along them and get to know them and their families and hear their hearts. That's beautiful. And that's what Jesus is pulling us towards. This kind of relationship, this love, this selfless relationship between him and us. It's not just about getting the stuff. It's not just about telling him the list, you know, the Santa Claus list. It's not those things. It's communication. It's relationship. And when it is, it's beautiful and refreshing and rewarding. Right after this, Jesus goes into what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Um, And I'll say it like this this morning. It's really the Lord's model prayer. It's how Jesus models this is, he says, this is how you should pray. Okay, And it says, And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And forgive me my debts. Give me today my daily bread. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And if you know this, which hopefully most of you do, but you'll notice I actually flipped it. Do you notice that? This is the Lord's Prayer flipped. And um, if we're honest, I think a lot of times as we pray, pray, we approach prayer like this. We start with, God, I need your help. Come fix this. Take care of this person. I need some, uh, we're struggling. I need this. Can you provide this for me? Right? From that perspective, forgive me. And I think if we're honest, a lot of times we just totally cross out as we also forgive, uh, right? Because we don't want to admit that because that would start to get a little scary with God, right? But forgive me. Oh, and help me, you know, be a light in the world. And in your name, amen. Right? 
And when we do that, what happens is we invert it, and then the Lord's model prayer is flipped, and so it actually becomes just about me, right? It's my intention, and and even we can take out, there's a lot of R's in there, and we replace them with me's, because that's not really where Jesus is leading us to be, but it is our natural inclination. And so Jesus flips that and says, your natural inclination is to come to me with a list of what you need help with. That's your natural inclination. I know this because all of the counterfeits out there, that's what they do, right? And this is Jesus at the time. The pagans come and they say this formula to get stuff. They go and worship in this way, whatever that is, so that God will, right? It's a transaction. And Jesus is flipping that and saying, no, no, no. The reality is totally different. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. It's a connection, right? And so when we look at the Lord's Prayer correctly, which we'll do here and just just kind of pop through it here real quickly. Again, we don't have time to dig into all of these things, but I encourage you this week to really go through it and go, what does that look like in my prayer life to pray about this? So when we look at it the correct way, this is what it actually looks like. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says. And I'll tell you in Luke where it's listed, the disciples ask him, Jesus, how should we pray? Right, if you remember that, and Jesus responds back. And so in Jesus's time as a rabbi, a very common question would have been from his disciples is what is the like minimum amount of kind of these prayers that we need to pray multiple times a day that will kind of get us to where we need to be in our relationship with God? It's a common question. Most of the rabbi, all the rabbis really would have taught their disciples how to pray, and they would have said, like, this is, there's all this long list of prayers in the Jewish tradition, and this is the minimum that you need to do, is basically what it says. So that's an encouragement from the perspective of, this is never meant to just recite this. This is kind of the minimum to model to get us going in our relationship and conversation. So he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so the way we can think about this is it starts off with us stopping and saying, life is this, all these things are going on, ah, right? And it stops and says, this is how you pray. Father, which in the Hebrew and, or the Aramaic, how this would have said would have been very common in their prayer, but it's a relationship. It's not a distant deity. It's not a, here's this thing for me to get something from you. It's a stop, and it's, Dad, right? Stop, pause, refocus on this relationship. God, you are hallowed or holy, and may your holiness be known all throughout the earth. It's kind of the way that you can think about that. It's not just saying, God, you're holy. He knows that, right? But acknowledging that does something in us. God, you're, you're, you're whole, right? It's just like when somebody comes to you and says, I just appreciate that you're so kind and generous and 
that you, like when you come, you seek me out and say, hey, how are you? Right? That says something about you and who you are. And that unlocks whatever that thing is that you were walked in with of doubt and all of, all of that stuff, right? Or questions you might have. Go, oh yeah, that's, that's a real thing. So yes, God is holy, but this isn't just about acknowledging he's holy. It's also acknowledging his holiness to be known all throughout the earth. That's huge and important. It's not just an acknowledgement. It's a, not just an affect, it's an effect, right? That should happen by knowing and receiving a relationship with the Holy One. That when we meet Jesus and he transforms our lives and sets us free because he gave all of himself for us, that it doesn't just stay with us, but that it expands beyond us. That the effect of what Jesus does in our soul has an effect on the world all around us and in our life in us, right? And in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our communities and all around the world. And the same concept continues as he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are not meant simply to retreat to some place in the sky someday, which is actually when we think about it really neat because the Jewish perspective was that like we're here on earth and just right there in the sky is heaven. Like we think of heaven as you know, some distant, right, all this kind of thing. But for them, it was really just right there. And so when you think of things like, like Jesus, heaven has come, you know, is near, right, all of those kind of things, it, it was just right there. And it was just coming right from there to here. And that's the idea and the concept. God, would your kingdom just come, just come from there to here, just come down right where we are. It's not about us holding down the fort just long enough, you know, that maybe it won't get too bad before we go. It's about the kingdom coming and pushing back the darkness right here and right now. God says that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we turn to him, we become part of this kingdom of priests. And a priest was somebody who did what their deity did, right? And so our deity sacrificially loved and brought freedom and truth, right? And so if I am supposed to be a priest, that means my job is to not wait till I get to go to heaven someday, but to find ways to bring a little bit of heaven right here, right now, how can you be free? What light do you need that's in your world that's filling up with darkness? What, how, that's what we're called to be. And I think sometimes, even in our prayer life, we get discouraged and we get passive. It's probably the best word. Because let's be honest, it's not very inspirational to just hold on until the end gets here. And that's not the message that Jesus gave us. Just hang on. It'll be over someday soon. He said, go fight. Knock down 
the gates of hell. Push them back. They can't push you back because you have me. I'm pushing them back. And go, because where you go and where you show what it is like, what I am like, the light has a place to live and the darkness has no choice but to flee. All those songs that we sang, that's that, those were the best, right? Do you see that? Oh, so good. This is what our prayer life is supposed to be like. Passionate, exciting, movement. And then he says, give us today our daily bread. Oh, daddy, I need you. I depend on you. I'm not bringing you a list like I send to Santa. I'm not rubbing a lamp and telling you what I need. I'm saying, I need you. And if you notice, what it actually says is, we need you. Give us today our daily bread. And this, I wonder, might be a little difficult for us because we you know, in some ways are fortunate to live in a place of, a, you know, relative affluence compared to the rest of the world. And sometimes it's really hard maybe for us to think about our, I depend on God for the bread that I need to survive today. And I wonder if sometimes because of that, it's also really difficult and we kind of forget that this is in the context of his kingdom coming. So God, I depend on you. We depend on you for what is needed for your kingdom to be known and experienced here on earth. And maybe it's a little bit more about us than it is just about me. And when it becomes more about us, it also kind of unlocks that perspective for us to be able to see what is needed. Because many times God goes, okay, you want, you want what you need for the kingdom to come in Bulverde Spring Branch? You better be ready when you go to lunch today. You better be ready because you are what you need. You are what your community needs. And so I'm going to put you where you need to be. Because you already have what you need. You have me, right? And it's more about what do we need? How do we depend on God? It's like that relationship between mom or dad and child, right? Daddy, can I? Right? And especially when they're little, what do our hearts do? Oh, right? We have to really, it's hard, as parents, oh, yes, we want to give you everything. We want to give you the world. I think God looks at us that way when we just come and say, Daddy, I need. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That's a hard one. That's a real one, right? And I think that's why in our minds a lot of times we even just cross out that line. Because it's not hard to think of the people we probably also need to extend a little forgiveness to. 
right? A little grace too. But God, forgive us because we are saints who sometimes sin. And we need your forgiveness continually in our life. We didn't get a one-time forgiveness pass and now we're all good. We need you. We depend on you. We are in need. We need your intervention so that we can walk in freedom from the bondage that you set us free from. Because if not, our inclination is to go back and grab the chains. Like, just like in a many abusive situations where people continue to go back into the abuse because it's what they know, right? And so we do that with our sin and with our life, and we need to go say, Jesus, we need you. We depend on you. And then finally, lead us, not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. There's different uh, thoughts on if that's evil one or just evil generically. But here's the key on this, is lead is actually the key word in there. God, lead me along the path that is right and good. Lead me along that ancient path that you set out before the foundation of the world for me to walk on with you. Lead me. One of the things that I've come to realize and know in life is that what we focus on tends to become, you know, kind of that result of what we end up doing. Um, I use this example all the time, especially with like middle school and high school uh, people, students is, you know, when you're trying, I remember when I was trying to grow in my faith and one of the things that I was convicted of was my language and I was trying to stop cussing. Uh, I walked around for like a couple weeks at school. It was like, don't cuss, don't cuss, don't cuss, just don't cuss, don't cuss, right? And guess what all, all I did? I didn't always come out, but it was all up here, right? Was that actually any better if all I'm thinking about is cussing, right? A few years later, I learned and realized, oh, the key isn't don't cuss, don't cuss, don't cuss, because then I'm just focusing on that, and I end up there, right? The key is speak kindly to people, right? Be polite, right? Th those all those kind of things. And that changes who we are and the way that we are because it changes our focus, right? Um, so true. And this is one of those things where I think Jesus is saying, God is saying to us, hey, when your perspective on prayer is focus on being led, focus on being led. Because if you focus on me and where I lead you, you're going to be the place you need to be in the situation you need to be in, and you're going to be focusing on me, so it's going to be easier to do what I would do, right? John, our pastor, who is, you know, John, he's awesome. He's challenged uh, me and some other folks uh, this summer to set an alarm to go off in the morning to uh, remind us to pray, just pray, God, include me on what you have today, Right? And I'm so appreciative of that because when I start my day from that perspective, it's amazing the things that I notice and see and get to be a part of. But when I don't, right, it can be very different. 
be very different. So as Jesus gives us this model for prayer, as he gives us this perspective to look at and pursue him in, in a selfless relationship, sacrificially loving. Here's some things that I notice. There's three yours that start this model prayer. There's three ours in the second half of the model prayer. But there's no me's. And so as Jesus changes our perspective, he's trying to help us to set us free by pulling us out of looking at ourselves as the focus of life and where everything is happening and coming from. It says, there is a bigger world, Jason. Me, him, right? Your, 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 our, us, us, us. It centers my focus on him. It places me in a right perspective in community. And those things set me free in a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. So a little bit of homework for us this week. Back in the end of the first century, there was a document that we know of, that we have copies of, called the Didache. And it was the uh, considered the teachings of the apostles. Okay, so this is within, you know, the first generation of Jesus' life and death on the cross, right, after that. So before 100, okay, um, this was out and this was known, this was kind of, this was spread and shared. And one of the things that it encouraged people to do was say the Lord's Prayer three times a day, okay? Makes sense for a faith coming out of the Jewish faith, right? That that would be a natural cycle and for us. And so for homework this week, I want to encourage you three times a day to begin your prayer with the Lord's Prayer as a place of focus and perspective and pray from there three times a day. Whatever that, however that looks or makes sense for you in the morning sometime, midday, and in the evening. You can do it as a family some, do it individually some, and let's just see if that perspective that Jesus desires for us to have in relationship with him, kind of setting that focus, helps us and creates an effect in our life going forward. So we have uh, another really fun thing that we get to do this morning. And um, as we're talking about these important foundational things for us and for our faith and for life, uh, one of the important foundational things that we see all throughout the scriptures is God's heart and God's desire for us to share our faith and pour our faith into the next generation. Over and over and over in the scriptures, this is an important, significant thing, right? Is that we must, as adults, even when we say the Shema, right after the Shema, is tell your kids as you go, all the, right, all these things. Tell them, tell them, tell them. And all throughout the Older Testament, we see the stories of how the people forgot who God was, how they forgot the stories. They stopped telling and the results. And then when they began retelling who God was again, the results, the effect, 